Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Holiness Podcast, where we believe discipleship is our process. And as a result, we experience holiness, wholeness, all of the wonderful blessings that God has for us. I am so excited that you are back with us for another season. Thanks so much for taking part. And I want to say thanks to Pentecostal Resources Group for the vision for this podcast. As Pentecostal Resource Group produces many different kinds of resources, I love the vision to also have this free podcast so we can talk more regularly about our spiritual health. If you joined us for season one, you know that we dove right into the topic of holiness. That's such an important word that we love. It's part of our heritage as Bible-believing, Spirit-filled believers, and we love that. But in some ways, season two, we're actually rewinding back. And as we said in our tagline, discipleship is the process. It's our pursuit. And and our belief has been all along that as we focus on growing closer to Jesus Christ, there are these beautiful promises of wholeness and holiness that, that result from that, first of all, that commitment to follow Jesus, to be a disciple. So if you haven't checked out season one where we jump right into holiness, you're going to want to get and get connected and check those episodes out because we had some amazing conversations about that. And in some ways now, we're rewinding a little bit with season one because I want to go back and talk about that word discipleship. That's a word that maybe we use a lot in, in church settings. What does it mean? Let's talk today. Let's get started with a story. So Fair warning here, trigger alert. This is every parent's worst nightmare, what I'm about to tell you, but it's got a happy ending. Let me go ahead and say that right up front. Happy ending coming, but let me tell you a story from my childhood. Let's rewind back, never mind how many years. I'm probably six years old, I think six years old. And uh, we're on a trip, we're on family vacation. We're far away from home. Now, my dad is a cowboy. We raised horses growing up. And so that means he's got like the whole deal, the boots, the blue jeans, the big belt buckle from some kind of horse something. And so what we would do as as little kids, my dad is moving at 100 miles an hour at all times. So he is, if he's walking somewhere, he's power walking. He doesn't know he's power walking, but he is power walking. He's just a guy that's on the go. He's full speed, full steam all the time. So as a kid, to try to keep up my little legs, keeping up with his fast stride, what I would do is I would reach up and I would hook my little pointer finger into his belt loop. And then when he would be moving like, you know, 8,000 miles an hour, I'm just holding on to that belt loop and he's kind of like half dragging me along. I'm like running behind, but I'm hooked up so I don't get disconnected. Well, you might see where this is going. We're on vacation. We're at this cool trade show in, the show in this big convention center. There's all kinds of cool stuff. We're at some kind of horse thing, and there are all these cool things to look at. And so as I'm trying to keep up, and here's where my mom comes into the story. She remembers it because she was there, and we're walking along, and there's so much to see. And my little six-year-old brain is so fascinated by all of these sights and all of the new things that I've never seen before. Somewhere along the way, in the middle of this crowded convention center, I disconnect from the path the family's taking, and whatever fascinated me, I look at it, and I get drawn in, and whatever point I finally go, oh, 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 wait a second, I need to like catch back up. I look up, and my family's gone, 
and I am a six-year-old lost in a crowded convention center, very, very far away from home on vacation. Every parent's worst nightmare. Well, I don't know. I'm sure my parents could tell you their traumatic version of the story. All I remember is at six years old, a little bit of panic sweeping over. I'm kind of realizing this isn't good. Um, somehow I make my way back to the front of the convention center and I find somebody who looks like he's in charge. I guess it was a security guard. And they sit me in this really big chair up at the front of the building. I, it's almost like I'm in the lost and found. I'm waiting for some, you know, <laughs> person to come along who knows me and like picks me up, claims me, you know. And I, I sit there for, I'm sure it wasn't very long, but what felt like several panic filled moments as a child. And of course, I'm even as a child, I know I messed this up. I was connected to my family. Something distracted me. I got disconnected. They moved on. I'm lost. What's going to happen? My mom is having this panic moment of, of, you know, did I leave the building? She's outside looking for me outside the building. Somehow, I don't know how it happened. I'm sure it was a lot quicker than either of us remember because it felt like forever. But finally, she gets back in there. I don't know if they're making announcements, what they're doing. But we get reconnected, and of course, I'm just so grateful to be back with my parents. Happy ending. Everybody's fine. Nothing horrible happened. Here we all are. But I think of that story so often when I think about this word discipleship, because I think in this really extreme form, it shows us the dangers of not being properly connected to our source, right? But also the importance of following so closely that we stay on the right path. Now, there's so many directions you can go there. And as I say all the time, if we take any metaphor and we break it down too much, we can we can get away from the point. But let's talk about this word discipleship. It's ultimately a call to follow Jesus Christ. So as I'm following him, what does that mean? What does that look like? We're going to talk today. We're going to have a good time. So thanks for joining. Let's let's break down this idea of following. I've shared my little childhood story about a, a, maybe a traumatic version of, of getting off track and trying to follow the authority, but let's talk about the biblical definition of discipleship. If we look back to the Gospels where Jesus calls his first disciples, we can see a lot of the elements that are involved in this call to discipleship. So let's just, let's start in Matthew. Matthew chapter four, Jesus is walking by the seaside. He sees these two brothers. We know Peter and Andrew. In Matthew chapter four, I love the language where Jesus calls those disciples and, and he says to them, come with me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Now, if you remember in season one, we talked about some of the decisions we make in our pursuit of holiness. It's about our purpose and our identity. And we see that right away in this very first calling of disciples. Jesus doesn't just say, hey, come follow me. He gives them a promise. He gives them a promise of purpose. I'm going to make you fishers of men. You're doing one kind of fishing now. I'm calling you to another kind of fishing. Follow me. I've got a purpose for you. I love that. The call to be a disciple and follow Jesus is connected to promises of purpose. How amazing is that? It's not just some random thing. You know, sometimes I, I know that um, if you've ever been uh, maybe filling out a form for college or if you're in maybe an employment opportunity, you have to fill out a form. I don't even know if they ask this that much anymore, but if they ask religion and they have these boxes that you check, it's easy to just say, okay, well, this religion um, is because these people believe in this God or deity, and this religion is about these people believing in this God or deity. And if we're not careful, our world would try to reduce faith to just a cognitive process of what God do you believe in? But we recognize it so much more. Our experience, 
our journey as Pentecostals is not just this mental cognitive thing. And yes, thank goodness we have the word of God and we have these very distinct beliefs that help us rightly divide the word of truth and, and to understand and interpret scripture. Yes, there are some unique things we believe, but this is an invitation. It's an invitation to follow Jesus Christ and a promise that in so doing, he's going to give us purpose. We get direction and purpose when we make this decision to follow him. So there's this beautiful invitation from Jesus. And then look at the response. The Bible, the King James has this great King Jamesy kind of word. It says that straightway they left their nets and followed him. It means immediately. The scene repeats with the call to James and John. Same thing. Immediately they left their nets. They left their past and they begin a new life in Jesus Christ. That's the picture of discipleship. And, and scripture paints it so beautifully with the calling of those first disciples. You know, we, we talk about the, the Bible verse on marriage where it talks about leaving your family and cleaving to your spouse. And in some ways, that's a, that's a bit of what happens here when Jesus is calling these first disciples. They're leaving their past and what they've known and their identity and their purpose from their old life, and they're cleaving now to Jesus and the direction that he's going to go and the promises and the purposes that he is going to call them to. And of course, there are all of these scriptures throughout the New Testament about becoming a new creature in Christ Jesus. And so this call to be a disciple, it's, it's beautiful in its inception. And of course, we could talk about the new birth experience and how when we are filled with the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, how we are given this new life. It's a spirit-filled life. But the other thing is that this call to be a disciple is never something that we graduate from. We see those same disciples still growing and still growing closer to Jesus Christ all through Scripture, all through the New Testament and the Acts of the Apostles as these disciples become apostles and then take this message to others, that call to follow Jesus and his promise and his purpose. We never say, okay, I've checked the box now. I know I'm discipled. Let's move on. It's, it's this ongoing journey. So let's think about this, this picture to be a disciple and what we've seen from Scripture. What are some qualities of this? Well, first of all, it is countercultural. In our world, most of us are probably joining from a North American context. In our culture, our society, we're, we're conditioned to be these rugged individualists. We celebrate independence, and, and so depending on what nation you're from— there's this ingrained push to do your own thing, be your own you. And all of that, when we bring it back to scripture, it's a little interesting because the call to follow him is really others first. So as I follow Jesus, I'm also learning that I need to care about other people. Those disciples, everything they'd done up to that point to build businesses, to build families, all of this kind of thing, in that moment, can you imagine how compelling the call and the invitation must have been that in that moment, they left those nets and they follow him. That's counterintuitive. That's countercultural. It's probably not the wisest business decision they could have made. It probably reversed a lot of hard work and planning that they had they had built to build these lives. Sometimes even in our lives, what does that look like in 2023? Sometimes in our lives, the call to follow Jesus is going to put us at odds with the world around us. And I'm not talking about some kind of militant, we, we aren't kind to other people. I don't mean that at all. But what I do mean is when we are consumed by this call to follow him, to know him, to go where he's going and to fulfill the purposes, promises that he's placed in our lives, 
It's going to be countercultural. There are going to be times where that call puts us into a season of sacrifice and our world doesn't get sacrifice, does it? Everything, the marketing that's aimed at you is about get the mattress you've always deserved. <laughs> what is that, right? The call to follow him, to love what he loves. And that often means people and that means others before me. That's a countercultural call. But the beauty of it, of course, we, we see what the disciples are going to experience when they do that, when they accept that call, leave the nets, follow him. And then the other thing is that that call can be inconvenient. We've just said that the, the call to sacrifice can be countercultural. It can also be inconvenient. I wonder what their families think. Hey, this is so exciting. I'm going to go follow Jesus Christ. Well, what does that mean? What happened to those nets? Who came around and collected the nets when they left to go party with Jesus? You know, there, there, are, there are details to our life when we make the choice and we prioritize. Above all else, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There are repercussions to that decision. Of course, there are blessings to that decision. But I've got to recognize, if I'm serious about this, I've got to accept the cost of discipleship. Sometimes it's going to be inconvenient. Sometimes my commitment to follow Jesus first is going to mean I have to have conversations with those around me to say, look, uh, this this comes first. Uh, there, there are all kinds of directions we can go there. I even wonder sometimes those family members that are watching all this go down when these lives radically change. Maybe you have a testimony like that. Maybe you've recently chosen to follow Jesus Christ. You've got family members that do not get it. It's a, it's a choice that sometimes others have to, have to, uh, they have really have to process that. We have to give them time and grace to process that. But we understand when we follow Jesus, he comes first. And so we, we recognize the cost, the inconveniences, if we could say it that way, the, the countercultural pull of following Jesus Christ. But here's the deal. When we choose to follow him, when we accept that invitation, it is so worth it. Think about those disciples. They experience things that are just unprecedented. The miracles they experience, the, the power of Jesus right there in front of them on display. They got to experience all that. They got to be part of it. Think about the miracle where Jesus breaks the bread and the fishes and the multitudes are fed with this meager little meal. What did he do? He used those disciples to pass out the baskets, didn't he? The call to be a disciple and follow him, again, it's filled with these promises of purpose and experiencing the miraculous. That makes it so worth whatever the inconvenience. You know, if you remember the same Peter, who again is one of the first to be called, there's a point where Jesus, he issues some very hard teaching. Sometimes what he said stretched people, and that can be uncomfortable. And there's a point in the Gospels where Jesus teaches some, some pretty hard things to get your head around. And a big group of that big, wide range of followers leaves. A lot of disciples how, again, discipleship can be tough, and sometimes people leave when it stretches them into these areas that are uncomfortable. A lot of disciples left, and, and so Jesus turns and looks at this close band of the close followers, and he says, are you going to leave too? I mean, we're at one of these moments, and are we serious about discipleship? And Peter, you know, impetuous Peter, he has these moments where he sticks his foot in his mouth, but he also has these moments where he says this pure, wonderful response. And in that moment, when Jesus is issued a hard teaching. A lot of people have left. Jesus says, are you out too? And Peter says, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. There's no other option. 
And that's the beauty of discipleship. When we recognize everything that makes life life, everything that makes my life good, valuable, have any kind of meaning, what gives my life purpose, it all comes through knowing Jesus Christ. When we get that recognition in place, it doesn't matter the cost of discipleship. It doesn't matter if I have to reprioritize some things and, and maybe some people don't understand because he has the words of life. My life only has meaning because I'm following him. That's the beauty of this promise. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we follow him? How do we grow closer to him and experience all that he has for us? Well, I've already referenced the new birth experience. And of course, we want to follow the plan of salvation that's outlined so clearly in the book of Acts in our Bibles. And then again, there's this ongoing, ongoing, ongoing growth journey to know him more closely. And of course, that's going to come as we walk with him. Um, it's interesting that scripture uses this metaphor of walking with him, because when you, when you think about what it means to walk, that's an active position. Again, I'm not just, okay, I checked a box. I mentally believe that Jesus is the Christ and okay, now I'm all set. I'm a disciple. I've checked the box. I've done what I'm going to do. No, there's this active picture in scripture of walking with him. And that journey of walking is a journey of growth. I'm growing closer to him. I'm moving in his direction. I'm learning more about him. Now, I got to tell this funny little story. Um, I have a wonderful friend in my life whom I've known now 17 years. When I had known her, um, this is probably about, let's say two years ago. So I've known her about 15 years. We're having a conversation one day. We're just talking. And all of a sudden she says, well, yeah, well, my brother, you know, he dot, 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 dot. And she tells this story about her brother. And I'm just staring at her. I'm absolutely staring, just mesmerized. And I'm like, you have a brother? I've known you 15 years. How did I not know you have her brother? You're usually going to get to that, like, you know, month one of the friendship, and you're going to go through, like, the meaningful people in your life, and your, where all you've lived, and what your hobbies are, and what your interests are. We're 15 years in, and I just find out you have a brother. How do we miss that, right? Uh, I kind of tell that story. I have a little fun with it because I guess there's two ways to look at that story. One is that <laughs> what did I do as a friend not to get to know some basics about you? But there's also kind of a fun way to look at it of people are so interesting. Sometimes even after you've known someone a long time, you can find out this cool thing about them you didn't even know. And it just adds yet another layer of depth to your relationship. Well, let's take that into our discipleship journey to know the Lord. Uh we can know as much about him as we want to. It's our choice. He's given us his word to get to know him. He invites us to commune with him in prayer to get to know him. And the beauty of this journey is we're going to continue to learn more things about him the longer we know him and the more we grow close to him. And of course, we know that those avenues are, first of all, through his word. Now, if we talk about discipleship, at some point, we're going to talk about Matthew 28, 19. Denominations of all stripes are going to quote that, reference it as the Great Commission. Jesus asks his disciples to go and make more disciples. That's the Great Commission. But we're doing a disservice to the scripture if we don't complete the sentence. There's one big sentence there, and it's continued in, in verse 20, in Matthew 8. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus says, you need to make disciples. And Matthew 28, 20, he said, here's how, by teaching them my commandments. If we want to be disciples, we must understand what he asks of us. So no discipleship journey is complete without also making a commitment to journey into scripture, to read, to know, to study, to love, 
and to apply and enact his word in our lives. So I would, I would encourage us today as we think about discipleship, as we think about his invitation to follow him, that's also an invitation to get into his word. And the other thing, of course, is that we can spend time with him through prayer. Again, the more time we spend with a person, the more we get to know them, the closer we get to them. The other thing, too, I want to throw in there, right? Because prayer, Bible reading, how do I grow closer to God? We're, we're going to hit those two, guaranteed. That's going to be ask our Sunday school class, how do I get to know Jesus? And all those eight-year-old hands are going to come up, and they're going to hit those. Bible study, you know, pray. Here's another one. The mutual friends we have shape our lives. How am I going to get to know Jesus? I'm going to get to know some of the people that follow him. Obviously, I'm following Jesus and not them, but the relationships I build in my life, they will shape the direction I go. You know, the thing about this journey of walking and following, we're never really staying still. And we'll talk about sometimes, you know, I feel like this area of my life has plateaued. And I know what we mean in those moments, but the reality is, we don't really ever stay still. We're always moving one direction or another. Surround yourself with mutual friends of Jesus who are going to help you move the right direction, which is, of course, closer to him. So today is a good day to take inventory, as I am prone to do. Let's wrap up today with a few questions. I mean these two encourage you in a challenging way or to challenge you in an encouraging way. You could say it either way. Uh, I want this to be positive. This is never to, this podcast is never to make us feel as though we're missing the mark, but it's to say in this journey that I know you're committed to, that I'm committed to, that we're all moving in the direction of following him more closely. Sometimes you listen to a podcast like this to get ideas. Sometimes you listen to be challenged wherever you fit on that spectrum. I want to try to close with some questions to help you take inventory and say, are there some areas where I can grow? And so let's talk through that. The first thing I'm going to ask is, which direction are you moving? Are you moving closer to him? And that's a question that you're going to have to answer on your, own, on your own. I can't answer that one for you. But as you think about this invitation to follow him and the promises that come with that, are you moving closer to him and those promises? They're connected. They're very connected. So today, how are you doing in this journey to follow him? And then if I can borrow from my childhood story at the beginning, you know, I've got this little picture of me as a six-year-old with my little finger latched into the belt loop. And sometimes the exciting thing that distracts you because it's so cool, uh, you loosen that grip from the source to check out this distraction. If we're not careful, we can get separated from our source. So I would ask you, how are you doing in managing the distractions of life and staying connected to the source? Maybe today's a good day to reconnect to the source. Again, we're going to do that through prayer. We're going to do that through a fresh commitment to get into his word and see him and discover him in the word of God. And then the last thing, what can you do this week to grow more closer to him? Maybe you want to make some changes that are big picture, and that's always a great thing. But I always want to challenge us. What can I do today with this information? We've talked about the beauty and the invitation that comes with following Jesus Christ and all the promises that are part of that, the supernatural things we can experience, just like those disciples. And one of the things that makes oneness Pentecostalism so exciting is that we believe everything that happened in the book of Acts can still absolutely happen today. And just like Jesus called those first disciples, he's calling to us. And just like he showed them the miraculous and involved them in the supernatural. He wants to involve you in the supernatural. 
What are you doing today to get closer to experiencing those things? Is there a change you want to make to your Bible reading plan? Is there a change you want to make to your prayer time? If it's not working, change it. Don't stay stuck, right? Today is a call to examine how close am I following Jesus? Is there anything that I can tweak to follow him more closely? This journey of discipleship is so beautiful. Like Peter, I feel today, where else would I go? He's got the words of life. He's got what gives my life meaning. And like you, I want to follow him so, so closely. I hope you're encouraged today that he is always going to meet us when we search after him. The Bible says he's going to, he's going to meet us when we seek him. We're going to find him. Today, I want to remind you that he is so excited by your pursuit of him and as you seek him, you will find him. We're going to talk about this journey this season. It's going to be amazing. Here's what's really cool. A lot of the episodes this season were filmed at General Conference. It's going to be a little look different look and feel. It might not look exactly like it looks right now, but it's going to be this wonderful, wonderful, new and interesting conversation with different people who are also committed to this journey to follow Jesus more closely. We're going to have an amazing time. If you haven't checked out season one, go back and check that out and then join us again here as we dig more deeply into this topic of following Jesus on the Holiness Podcast. Thanks so much for joining and being part.